Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. The only event on my mind again this week was the Sanhedrin altar. This thing changed everything. It heralds the coming of the Antichrist. You might guess that I have some pretty harsh words for the powerful elites in Israel again this week. But please understand it is not the people, the Jewish people, with whom I am angry. The Jewish people are my people. As a believer in Yahweh, they are your people too. And they are being duped by powerful religious Jews, just as Christians are duped by powerful Catholic and Protestant leaders, and Muslims are duped by their powerful leaders. So when you hear that passion and fervor in my voice, please stick around to the end, because I will have words of encouragement for you as well. The reason Yeshua came for the people is because the people are at the mercy of their leaders in every age, and leaders of every age despise the people. They always have had disdain for the average person. In Yeshua's day, if you weren't a Judaism Jew, you were called a sinner. Today, the elites call us little people and useless eaters. Sinners, little people, and useless eaters, these all reveal the sentiment that the New World Order religious elites of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam have toward us to the point that they want to kill us in order to subjugate those who remain to make them into slaves of the elites. Yeshua hung out with those so-called sinners. Today, he is concerned with us little people and useless eaters, and in the near future, he will come to our rescue. By the way, in America, both political parties have the same agenda. They don't argue over the agenda. Like the socialist and Nazi parties in the 1920s and 30s, it's not about the agenda. It's about how to make it happen. Literally, those in power are fighting over the best way to move forward with this evil plan, not whether to move forward with it. The point is... I am making a distinction between those who are wolves and those who are sheep, and I have no good words for the wolves. Now, on with the show. It's interesting that in the Torah portions, we just had the crowning of Joseph. And in this week's news is Judah preparing to crown the son of Solomon. Well, Rabbi Berger, who claims to be a direct descendant of King David, as will be the coming Jewish Messiah from the line of Solomon, 
He's leading Judaism's charge to create the crown of the Messiah and unite the 70 nations of the world in an attempt to hasten the arrival of the king according to Breaking Israel News. Rabbi Berger says that Zechariah 14.9 states the Messiah will unite the 70 nations. Here is what Zechariah 14.9 actually says. Zechariah 14.9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, one Yahweh, and his name one. Being king of the earth and reuniting his kingdom are two entirely different acts by the Messiah. But Jewish doctrine says that the restoration has to do with 70 nations. Well, what does the Bible really say about the restoration and who will be restored? Israel. Israel with all 12 tribes will be restored but rather than include those from the house of Israel that Judaism rejects they teach that the restoration is the reuniting of the 70 nations this past week Sanhedrin altar reenactment that they called a dedication at which they asked the 70 nations to come and make a Noahide declaration is the first public display designed to reveal the Antichrist. Hanukkah is uniquely Jewish. The house of Israel was in exile when the Jews created the festival of Hanukkah. Indeed, Hanukkah has prophetic value in scripture in Haggai 2.18 and Yeshua kept Hanukkah as recorded in the New Testament. So it is likely that Hanukkah will be associated with the introduction of the son of Solomon Antichrist who will restore the 70 nations to God which is unscriptural and a lie but that could happen at a future Hanukkah. First, let's understand the son of Solomon is not the true Messiah. Yeshua from the line of David's son Nathan is the true Messiah. Second, the nations will be ruled by Yeshua, but the nations are not what needs to be restored. Israel, all 12 tribes of Israel, is what will be restored. I believe Ezekiel's third temple will be built by the Messiah Yeshua upon his return. In the meantime, there could be either a working altar or an actual temple with an altar on Temple Mount before Yeshua comes. If the Jews build a temple, it will likely be Masonic and built by the religious New World Order, Christians, Jewish, Muslim, Masons. Yes, there are Christians, Jews, and Muslims among the 33rd degree Masons. It is also possible that the Dome of the Rock could be used as a temple. Remember, all three religions use the same symbols, and these symbols come straight out of Masonry. 
Under the Antichrist son of Solomon, Jews and Christians will come together under Judaism and Noahidism. Noahides reject Jesus, Yeshua, as does Judaism. However, misled and blind Christians, thinking the Antichrist is the Messiah they've been looking for, will swear loyalty to him, thinking he is the same as Jesus. Most people won't convert to Judaism, which is why Jewish leaders created Noahidism. Noahidism is simply a lower tier of conversion to Judaism, a lesser membership into Club Judah. This is a two-tiered conversion apparatus. The Noahide laws will appeal to Christians since they seem biblical and even have a couple of laws that are from the Ten Commandments, a point made by a friend at our discussion last Shabbat. Judaism will seem just too hard to Christians. This past week, Sanhedrin reenactment was the first openly public test and invitation to become Jewish through vowing to keep the Noahide laws only and to subject yourself to the Jewish Sanhedrin. The Jewish religious leadership was testing the waters to find out if the world would be ready to accept the altar with its animal sacrifices and the Antichrist who will be associated with it. The Sanhedrin knows what it is doing to people with this Noahide conversion push too. The Noahide convert stands before the Jewish judges of the Sanhedrin, raises the hand and takes an oath to keep the Noahide laws. This puts them under the authority of the Jewish judges, the Sanhedrin, and makes the person responsible before Yahweh for having taken such an oath to laws that defy Yahweh's express instructions. Also, the more Noahides the Sanhedrin converts, the more money those Noahides will pour into the project of bringing the Antichrist, son of Solomon, on the world scene. Another point made by a friend in our Shabbat Midrash group. Another friend mentioned that he read that not all of the sacrificed animal went on the altar and that the people who watched likely had not mikvahed. That was an excellent point. I hadn't thought of that. There were about 150 unclean people watching a sacrifice that only the clean should see in a mostly private ceremony where the whole animal is required to go on the altar. Not that many people could be present when the priests put a sacrifice on the altar because that was limited to just those who needed to be there. A sacrifice was not a public display, but a solemn ritual, and one that we're to perform before Yahweh, not for bragging rights and celebration. These problems are just a few, but another huge problem with this altar was that the Jews sacrificed to devils. Yahweh said that if we don't take our animal to the place of his name, 
we would be sacrificing to devils not only to the place of his name but to the gates of where the altar stands Yahweh specified the place of his name first it was on his mobile tabernacle for hundreds of years then he placed his name on Jerusalem and specifically the altar on Temple Mount the altar was separated from public spectacle by gates and doorways the reason the Jews don't do sacrifice at the feasts now is because those must be done on Temple Mount if this were not the case they could have started doing the sacrifices in 1948 as was done in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah but they couldn't because they didn't have access to Temple Mount thus sacrificing outside the old city was to sacrifice to devils and they know that this little display of rebellion against Yahweh's real altar was nothing more than a slow introduction and indoctrination of what will prove to have more to come this breaking Israel news article about religious trends in America reveals how the rabbis are targeting Americans for their trap the article from this week says on one level the outlook for the religious landscape in the US is bleak according to trends illuminated in the most recent Pew study on religious life over time an increasing number of American adults say they do not identify with any religion and there are a shrinking number of people who describe themselves as Christians and Jews the article talks about other trends as well but this one is prophetic about the falling away last summer's explosion of Hebrew roots and Christian believers converting to Judaism is just the beginning Noahidism stands the best chance of appealing also to secular people who are not interested in religion given a choice and there will come a time when the choices will be laid out secular people will become Noahides and swear their oath to the son of Solomon Antichrist another issue regarding the Noahide laws is that the US Congress voted to create a special day to celebrate them in 1991 the conspiracy theory regarding this is that people will be headed for not keeping the Noahide laws during some future time of upheaval here is what part of resolution 104 says whereas the Lubavitch movement has fostered and promoted these ethical values and principles throughout the world whereas Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson leader of the Lubavitch movement is universally respected and revered and his 89th birthday falls on March 26 1991 whereas in tribute to this great spiritual leader the Rebbe this his 90th year will be seen as one of education and giving 
the year in which we turn to education and charity to return the world to the moral and ethical values contained in the seven Noahide laws. And whereas this will be reflected in an international scroll of honor signed by the President of the United States and other heads of state, now therefore be it resolved by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled that March 26, 1991, the start of the 90th year of Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, leader of the worldwide Lubavitch movement, is designated as Education Day USA. The President is requested to issue a proclamation calling upon the people of the United States to observe such day with appropriate ceremonies and activities. Let's keep our heads clear. We don't need to thrum up fear where there is no reason for it yet. That is not to say, though, that Congress would not build on this resolution at a later time and that people won't be killed for not swearing an oath to keep the Noahide laws or for disobeying them. The Noahide laws will subject Noahides to extra-legal punishment by the Sanhedrin, even of the capital variety, on a regular basis, but at its, the Sanhedrin's, own discretion, according to a paper I quoted from last week, written by Elkanan Adler in his effort to compile Jewish thought from the various Jewish writings such as the Talmud, Mishnah, and others. The Jews have been working on these Noahide laws for a very long time, even from before the time of Rambam in the 12th century. What does this extra-legal punishment mean? It means the Jews will punish Noahides any way they see fit and they will make up the rules as they go along. Since there are no details and no overall agreement among the rabbis the punishments to mete out to Noahide offenders. But let's be careful to not dismiss this Noahide problem as conspiracy theory because the Jews have been writing about it and trying to make their design comprehensible for over a millennia. Now, I want to share some questions that I received from a Beastwatch News listener and give the answers to the questions. They are excellent questions that are probably in most of your minds, so here they are, and I hope my answers are at least satisfactory. Number one, do you believe the passages in Daniel 11 and 12, which speak of the taking away of the Tamid, are in fact speaking of offerings being offered at an incorrect site on a cement altar? No, I think Daniel was hopeful of the restoration of the altar on Temple Mount and was looking forward to its operation. Uh, 
So he was not speaking of an altar that would not operate once again on Temple Mount. Daniel 12:11 says, And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Two items are mentioned in Daniel. First, the sacrifice will be taken away and the abomination that makes it desolate will be set up. This prophecy seems to be for a more immediate future for the Jews because these same words are used in Daniel 11.31. This prophecy was fulfilled with the Greek general Antiochus who abominated Yahweh's altar by sacrificing a pig on it. But there is more because the language in Daniel 11.31 and Daniel 12.11 is similar to phraseology in Daniel 8.3 and Daniel 8.11 and Daniel 9.27. All of these appear to have been fulfilled in the time of Antiochus, though the debate still rages. However, prophecies have near and far fulfillments. Yeshua knew this when he said in Matthew 24:15, "When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, that's already happened before, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand." Yeshua came after the Antiochus event, yet he prophesied it for the future. Matthew 24 is specifically about the end times and the great tribulation. Yahweh works in patterns. So we will see Yahweh's altar desolated again. But first, the altar must be a Yahweh sanctioned and approved altar standing and operating on Temple Mount not outside the old city of Jerusalem. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Each year at Passover, you say, Next year in Jerusalem. Well, this is the year. Join Ani Yosef for 13 glorious days in and around Jerusalem, beginning with four days of service to the land, followed by Passover and a week of touring in Jerusalem. For just $825, get lodging and two meals per day while staying in a Jewish community with other Hebrews from all over the world. Go to AniYosef.com for details. That is A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F dot com. Join us this year in Jerusalem. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry and your help is much appreciated. We don't know what act will desolate the end times altar, but we know that the Antichrist will set up his image somewhere 
perhaps close to the altar as was done by King Manasseh in Second Chronicles 33.7, a placement prohibited by Yahweh, that image will cause the whole world except the elect to worship it. By worshiping the image that is on Temple Mount, one will be worshiping the beast system that put the Antichrist, the son of Solomon, in office. And second, the desolation of Yahweh's properly functioning altar will mark 1290 days to the arrival of the true Messiah, Yeshua. Question number two. Is this an event that actually has the fingerprints of Hasatan all over it, or should we look for another dedication? Yes, this is the work of the devil, Hasatan, and please refer to my earlier comment on sacrificing to devils. Number three, does the passage in Mark 13:14, when it says, When you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to be, let the reader understand, perhaps refer to the fact that the altar has been placed in an incorrect place, or just that the one desolating the altar not to be there. There is a little more to the answer I gave above about Yahweh's operational altar on Temple Mount. The fact is that the Dome of the Rock, while not in the exact location of the second temple, does pose a problem for the location of Yahweh's altar. The image I spoke of earlier could be Islam related as well. So there could be problems both with the altar's location on Temple Mount and with whatever is put alongside it or on it that desolates it. I doubt that anyone knows how this will play out. Yahweh has not revealed the details to me, but I hope that I have given a plain enough answer as to what believers should know at this point. 4. When we read these passages in Ezekiel 20 verses 40 and 41 and Ezekiel 43 10 to 27 where Yah tells us that this is when he will receive us at his altar, you can clearly see that this is a time when we have all tribes restored to the land. So I really feel it is for the future time. So if the time following the restoration is the time that he receives us, Does that mean that he really did not intend to have the altar service reinstituted at this time? I so feel that what is going on in the land with this dedication is not clean. You are right that the Sanhedrin has sacrificed to devils and they have violated every law of tahor or clean in doing so. But this does not mean that Yahweh does not want his altar to be operational now, that he wants to wait until Yeshua comes to restore it. Yahweh gave his people a mandate in his instructions in Exodus to build and maintain an operational tabernacle or temple at all times. This happened in Exodus 25, 8 and 9. This building includes an operational altar. 
Thus, Yahweh's people are to have an operational altar at all times when they are in the land. I believe Yahweh is disappointed that there is still no altar for his people to return to and no dwelling place for his earthly presence. And thank you for those excellent questions. Now, let's talk about what happened at the altar reenactment this past Monday. This is information again from Breaking Israel News. The Guatemalan ambassador Mario Adolfo Barruco Flores discovered his Jewish identity at the Sanhedrin's temple sacrifice reenactment where he made a speech for the occasion. He said, This is a truly historic moment. My government is pleased to be partners with the Sanhedrin and with Israel in bringing the Messiah. So yes, Flores understood correctly. The Sanhedrin and Israeli government are trying to cause the son of Solomon to appear. Immediately following the ambassador's address, one of the rabbis from the Sanhedrin approached Flores to ask if he might have a more personal connection to the Jews. Flores told the rabbi he is Christian but had a Jewish grandmother. The Sanhedrin began to gather around Flores upon making this statement. They determined that Flores is Jewish because his mother was part Jewish. The article says, In the presence of the rabbinic court, Flores was asked several questions about his family, and it was determined that he was a Jew. This came as a surprise to Flores, who was unaware that his family connection conferred upon him Jewish status. Upon the discovery and to mark the occasion, the rabbis assisted Flores in donning tefillin, the phylacteries, a mitzvah or Torah commandment of the highest order, also noting that non-Jews can perform almost all of the Torah commandments. However, donning tefillin is one of the very few that they are forbidden from performing. So it was a clear sign that the Sanhedrin had entirely accepted his status as a Jew. In other words, because he represents the government of Guatemala, this particular Jew doesn't need to convert to Judaism or Noahidism for the Jews to recognize him as Jewish. Again, let me repeat Noahidism is nothing more than a lesser membership in Club Judah. There is no mention that Flores was made to raise his hand to take an oath. The rabbis probably didn't want to push the denial of Yeshua yet. Now, you and I would have to endure the studying and cost of converting to Judaism or Noahidism Yes, there is a cost for converting to Noahidism. But note that they said non-Jews can perform almost all of the Torah commandments. The operative word is almost. 
the one biggie is the Sabbath, of course, unless Ambassador Flores would deny Yeshua and become a converted Jew to Judaism, not Noahidism, he will be prohibited from keeping the Sabbath. I can't stress enough that both Judaism and Noahidism are the Jewish leader's method of getting people to deny Yeshua. Rejecting Yeshua has been their biggest concern for 2,000 years. Next, note that the rabbis put tefillin on the ambassador. The tefillin is prohibited to non-Jews too, and just to confuse you, they say that Noahides are non-Jews, but they wrapped Flores in the tefillin as a sign that he was an instant convert to Judaism, albeit one with his belief in Yeshua still intact. They'll work on that later. What they need now is good PR from a high government official of any nation, and this one from Guatemala will do quite nicely. Thank you. Then Flores danced in celebration with a rabbi while the other rabbis joined in song and dance around them. Rabbi Hillel Weiss, the spokesman for the Sanhedrin who was heavily quoted in last week's Breaking Israel News article reported by Beastwatch News, noted that it was highly symbolic that such a revelation should come about at the dedication of the altar. He said, We are on the cusp of the revelation of the Moshiach, the Messiah. One of the functions of the Messiah is the ingathering of the exiles. This is not merely people deciding to come to Israel. It is a miraculous process, which is what we saw here. It is God revealing things that are hidden. Hidden Jews. Hidden connections to Israel. Love for Hashem. God, literally the name. That has been hidden away and not seen since all 70 nations came together to pray to the one God in Jerusalem. Okay, here we go again. You will think, maybe, that I'm merely repeating myself, but I'm doing so to bring greater understanding because of the peril you and I are about to find ourselves in. These repetitions are warnings. The Jews don't want just anyone, you know, like those who just one day wake up and say they are Israel. No, there has to be a miracle awakening because Yahweh's Holy Spirit awoke you and told you that you are Israel is not enough of a miracle. Why? Well, if you believe you're from, say, the tribe of Gad, for instance, or Zebulun, or, you know, some other tribe that was not assigned to the house of Judah by Yahweh in the books of Kings and Chronicles, they don't want you. The rabbis must discover you. It's the rabbis who make the miracle. You cannot make this discovery for yourself, and you must be a Jew. 
not someone from one of those non-Jewish tribes. But as soon as you have proof of Jewishness and are willing to study and pay the money, you too can be a Jew. All others who the Jews are trying to relegate to the lesser status within Judaism are called Noahides. That is because Noahides will be the Jews' servants in the world to come. But Rabbi Weiss tells a lie when he states that all 70 nations came together to pray to the one God in Jerusalem. None of the 70 nations ever prayed together to Yahweh. Now, Solomon did try to unite these 70 nations by marrying women from each one, according to 1 Kings 11, and he even made high places so they could worship their gods instead of the one true God. Oh, this is why Solomon and his descendants are anti-Messiahs. They promote and even engaged in the worship of other gods. David did exhort the nations to praise Yahweh in 1 Chronicles 16.31. 1 Chronicles 16 verses 8 to 36 contains David's song of praise to Yahweh. But there is no time ever in the history of the earth where the 70 nations came together to pray to Yahweh. The rabbis made that lie up and are using that to promote their evil agenda to bring forth their Messiah in the hope that Yeshua really didn't exist or certainly is dead and not resurrected as they have convinced themselves. Who were the people in Jerusalem praying to Yahweh all at the same time? It was the twelve tribes. When were they assembled there? At the temple's inauguration and at every feast. If you think I'm angry with the Sanhedrin and its rabbis, you are wrong. I am furious. The New Testament calls this righteous indignation. How dare those modern Pharisees who changed their title to rabbi destroy Yahweh's word, his son, his kingdom, and all the people of the earth for their own lusts and greed for power. Here's a point you might not have considered. Judaism sprouted Christianity and Islam. If the Jews had said yes to Yeshua's agenda to restore the whole house of Israel, as prophesied in Ezekiel 37, there never would have been Christianity or Islam. Judaism is the father of twisted doctrines, and it comes straight from hell. It is a religion from and worthy of the grave spawned by Satan himself. Again, I want to remind you that I am not angry with the people, but the leaders. This evil extends all the way into the new world order. I pointed this out a few months ago. 
there is a connection between Judaism, the New World Order, and Masonry. They are, in fact, the same religion under different names. So the people trapped in these three religions, Judaism, the New World Order, and Masonry, are just that, trapped. I pray for Yahweh to show all the people of the earth his truth and pull them back from the fire that will destroy these religions under which fall Christianity and Islam. In the near future, the Sanhedrin plans to visit the Guatemalan government on a political mission after Guatemala moved their embassy to Jerusalem on May 16 of this year, two days after the U.S. opened their embassy in Jerusalem. For decades, the world has been told by the rabbis that the Messiah is already alive on the earth. I never believed it because I know where Yeshua is right now and he is not yet on the earth but with our Father in the heavenly realm. Only recently have I come to understand that the rabbinic Pharisaic Messiah is not a divine Messiah, not Yeshua, but a mere mortal man. So now that I understand the difference between the false Messiah, the Antichrist, and the true one, Yeshua, I also understand that these men know exactly who it is that they will parade on Temple Mount as their Jewish Messiah. We don't know the timing of when the Antichrist will be paraded out of his closet by the rabbis. It could happen before the altar is erected on Temple Mount. Or it could happen after the altar is erected and they parade him out to inaugurate the altar. Or it could happen days or weeks after the altar is operational. After which the rabbis parade him out and put his image next to the altar. The Antichrist's appearance and the events of the altar will likely happen very quickly in rapid succession. At some point, though, the prophets proclaim, especially Ezekiel and Jeremiah, that the house of Judah and the house of Israel will unite. Praise Yah. He will pour out His Spirit on all of His people. What a grand and glorious day that will be. Don't think... This is only the Jewish leadership involved in bringing forth the Antichrist. Oh, nay, nay. The United States New World Order elites is behind the scenes encouraging and helping this along. Don't delude yourself. This is what the United States Mystery Babylon will be destroyed for. This and many other reasons. Start watching consider moving away from America. No, we don't know how long we have. Short time, long time, it doesn't matter. You have a personal invitation given to you by Yahweh from the beginning 
to the end from Abraham leaving Babylon to Jeremiah telling you to get out of Babylon to John in the book of Revelation warning you to leave Babylon we just saw the dress rehearsal as an introduction to both the altar and the anti-messiah who will defile it how much longer do you think we have before the destruction begins get out now while you still can contact me to ask the way to Zion at admin at beastwatchnews.com shalom that's it for this Beastwatch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastwatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.